Sometimes I wonder if Peter gets a bad rap on this one. Um, I mean, after all, (laughs) he did walk on water, um, and there's not many of us, oh wait, there's probably none of us who can say that we have walked on water uh, in the same way that Peter has. And so uh, we ought to look at him first and foremost with a certain amount of um, admiration, I think, in today's gospel. When you consider um, that none of the other apostles had the courage to look at Jesus and say, all right, Lord, like, if you are who you say you are, let's do this. Like, why don't we actually make this happen uh, in the way that is befitting, we can say, of the Messiah. It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's, it's really kind of an amazing thing when you think about it, um, especially when we consider that as we come to Mass day in and day out, a week in and week out, however, however often we're able to be here, Um, we can easily become complacent uh, in front of our Lord. It's easy for us to say, well, this is kind of the way God does things in my life, and it's fine. (laughs) You know, it's not even that exciting when it comes down to it. Um, And yet when we think about what it is that we proclaim here, that we get to receive in Holy Communion, like living within me is the God of the universe. Talk about faith moving mountains. You know, we start, we start to wonder and say, well, I'd like to see that in my own life. I'd like to see that in so many places and so many aspects of this earthly existence, which often is, like, we experience it as so, is so like, mundane, right? Uh, and even you read the news. I mean, sheesh, don't read the news anymore. It's, it's almost terrible. Because it's just so, I mean, it drags us down in so many awful kinds of ways, doesn't it? And we start to be, be discouraged and even overcome by all of the terrible things that we see happening in the world, because there's a lot of them. And so we begin to look at Christ and say, all right, so like what gives in the end? Because here we are in that boat with Peter and the apostles, tossed about by the wind, you know. That wind, by the way, um, it's hard to see it from just a cursory reading of the gospel, but that wind is, is uh, it's kind of demonic, when it comes down to it. The evil one always likes to imitate God. So here's this strong wind uh, that's blowing over the, over the Sea of Galilee and tossing the disciples around uh, as they are crossing to the other side. Good image of life, right? Here we are. Uh, and the evil one's moving them around um, and trying to make their life, their path, difficult. And ultimately wanting, wanting to capsize them, if that were possible. Um, and why is it an image... Um, Well, let's be honest. Um, Think of Pentecost first and foremost. Here comes the Holy Spirit, this driving wind, okay, as he descends upon the apostles and Our Lady at Pentecost. Um, Or even the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, the beginning of creation, which the language in Hebrew can be translated either the Spirit of God or a mighty wind. So all this is brought together. So here's this mighty wind on the sea, the evil one trying to imitate God, confuse us, and again, we look at our own life and our own world, and it's, it, it's easy to become confused, isn't it, about what's good and what's not. It's easy to be distracted and say, if I go this way, it seems like this is, in fact, the call of God. That's why the church consistently throughout history proclaims, without fail, that which is good and that which Christ has revealed, that, that which the gospel and the scriptures have revealed. And despite the continually changing morality of the times, the church never wavers, because she has her eyes, with Peter, focused on Christ. She knows, right, she knows exactly where the truth lies. 
She's not distracted by the wind. Peter saw how strong the wind was and he became frightened. And that's when he began to sink. That's when he got stuck. That's when, well, he gave in to the, uh, the temptation of the evil one. And what's the evil one do after he shows that forth that mighty wind? He tries to baptize Peter in a way that leads to death and not resurrection. It's the way the evil one works. So it's always a caricature. It's always something that looks like it could be Christ. It looks like it could be good, but it's not. And it leads to, well, it's the death and destruction. Great. Not what I'm looking for, right? I'd rather keep my eyes focused on Christ. Okay, so our Lord comes to him then, walking on the water. Notice the way that he comes to the apostles. He doesn't come to them sort of outside the storm. If you saw, um, was it, I think it was the last Avengers movie, right? Um, and there's this final battle scene. I'm not going to give a whole lot away, don't worry, if you haven't seen it. But out of nowhere, here comes Captain Marvel and, you know, does something amazing and, they, they, and, like, and then leaves. And it's sort of like, um, again, out of, <laughs> God's um, omnipotence entering in from outside the scene and then leaving us to our own devices again. Sort of an image of that. And it's not the witness of the gospel. It's not the way that God works. God comes to us in the midst of all of the chaos. And so here we are striving in our own hearts and our own lives to discern what is good and what is evil, to recognize that practically, concretely speaking, in so many aspects of our lives. And we're looking for God. And who would have thought in the history of salvation that God was going to come to us as a man? emptying himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men. Who would have thought that it would have been like that? Certainly, Israel didn't think that way. And so they're taken by surprise, blindsided even. And I think Peter and the apostles are too. I mean, well, they are, is what it says. They cried out in fear. It's a ghost. They don't re- like, like, the last thing they're expecting is for Jesus to come to them walking on the water. Maybe at this moment, they're not even expecting Jesus to come for them. And so in the midst of the darkness, you can imagine, it's not like they had, I don't know, artificial light back then, okay? Outside of candles, okay. But you can imagine how dark it was in the middle of the, of the Sea of Galilee. And out of nowhere, here comes this luminescent figure. What would you think if you didn't have 2,000 years of the gospel behind you to say, this is our Lord we're coming to you on the water? So certainly in absolute fear, they wonder, they cry out. And when, when, when our Lord says to Peter and the apostles, it is I, do not be afraid, again, our translation does us a bit of a disservice. He doesn't say, it is I, he says, I am, do not be afraid. So you know that language. That's God speaking to Moses from the burning bush, I am. Take your shoes off. This is holy ground. Don't come any closer. So when the apostles hear those words, I am, do not be afraid. That's what gives Peter the courage to say, okay, Lord, if it is you, bid me come to you on the water. Let me walk with you on the water. Do I have that courage and confidence when I come before my Lord and my God? To look at him here in the sacrament, to know that he lives within my heart, and hear him say to me, I am. Will you come to me walking on the water? As long as Peter has that confidence in our Lord, as long as he sees our Lord and keeps focused on our Lord, 
He walks on water. And the minute he's distracted from, by the temptations, the lies, all the evil that we see here in our own world, and starts to say, you know what, maybe those things are better. Or we can say it this way, as soon as he becomes complacent in the presence of our Lord, as soon as he stops being in awe of the divine majesty walking towards him on the water, that's when he sinks. That's when he fails. And praise God, he's able to reach out and call to our Lord. Do I come before my Lord and my God with a majesty, or rather with an awe and a wonder in his presence? Do I make that daily effort to turn to him in my heart and say, Lord, it is you? You see, I don't know uh, individually for each of you all of the struggles, all of the ways in which you are pulled aside from the majesty of God. But I know what my temptations are. And if you're attentive to your lives, you know what your temptations are. And so one of the primary ways, one of the the most essential ways that we cut through all of those things, the fog, the web of confusion, is we keep our eyes focused on our Lord Jesus Christ. And we maintain a reverence. We maintain an awe in his presence. And we say, Lord, I do affirm that you are, as you have said to Peter and the apostles, as you say to all of us, I am. Do not be afraid. Good image here uh, is Jonah, actually. Think about Jonah. Doesn't just fall into the sea. He throws himself into the sea as he's running away from God. And the falling into the sea for Jonah is the moment of, like, reconversion. He realizes he's sinned, just like Peter. As soon as he starts falling, realizes something's not right here. And Jonah, from the belly of the whale, cries out to God in a psalm. And God rescues him. And then he gives him a mission. Or rather, he calls him again to the mission. And so we can see this in Peter, this call of Peter to walk on the water as the beginning of a mission for him. Mission to do what? It's a mission to proclaim the truth and goodness of the gospel to the entire world. To be able to cut through the lies that we see. Or the lies maybe that we don't see. The things that lead us away from God. This is the mission of the church throughout the centuries. And so Peter leads us in that mission. And the first thing that happens when God calls him out of it, when he saves him from the water, he puts him back on land, they heal a few people, and then Christ begins to preach. And he gives that mission. He, sh- he shows, really, the apostles exactly what it is he's going to be calling them to. He wants Peter to walk on water, not just across the Sea of Galilee. It's supposed to be an image of life. It's easy for us to see ourselves as just kind of poor schmucks, right? Failing every day, up, down, left, right, and here we are. Trying to make it through life. Okay, fine. There are moments when we, like Peter, turn our gaze from God and start to sink. But it's not the way it's supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be just another poor sinner out there. I'm supposed to be someone who is continually focused on my Lord able to grow in virtue, able to grow in holiness, not by my own strength, but by my response to the grace that our Lord gives me. 
What an amazing call that God has given to each of us. And it's something that we don't want to lose sight of, something we, we don't want to forget. Otherwise, we become lukewarm. You know what our, what our Lord says about the lukewarm, right? He said, be either hot or cold. Lukewarm, I'm spitting you out of my mouth. It's nasty if I had lukewarm water. We don't want to be that. We're not called to that. Pope Benedict says, you're not made for comfort, you're made for greatness. What would that look like in your life? What would it look like if I just conquered that one sin? What would it look like if I actually proclaimed the gospel in the fullness of the way that it's supposed to be proclaimed? What would it look like if I walked on water with St. Peter? We have the example of the saints throughout history, throughout the ages, to show us what it looks like. Not only like the grandiose miracles and things along, along those lines, but even just the very simple peace in my own heart and in my own life. Something which our Lord offers to us continually. And so with that desire, with that resolve, we have the opportunity to come before him today in the Blessed Sacrament. Because he proclaims to us the same thing he proclaimed to the apostles. I am. Do not be afraid.